Welcome to the DFW Child Podcast, a place for local parents to tell their stories, share mom truths, and dig deeper into real issues, all while celebrating this crazy, challenging, beautiful journey called parenthood. Let's welcome our host, Heather Van Stevers. Hi, this is Heather Van Stevers, the Creative and Content Director of DFW Child Media Group. This episode of our podcast is a supplement to our September 2020 issue. Our feature this month is about helping parents if they suspect their child might have autism. Today, we are speaking to Monica Piper, who is the owner and BCBA of Stepping Stones, a practice that provides in-home applied behavior analysis therapy, or ABA therapy, to families with special needs of Collin County and surrounding areas. She also has a 17-year-old son, Sean, who was diagnosed with autism when he was two. Hi, Monica. Welcome to the podcast. Thank you so much for speaking to us today. Hi, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. Of course. Can you tell us a little bit about when Sean was young and what were some of the first signs that you saw that he may be on the autism spectrum? Sure. Yeah. Um, As you said, Sean is 17 now, and he was diagnosed around two or two and a half. Um, I would say probably around um, nine to 10 months old we started noticing some signs that he was some milestones he wasn't meeting that other kids that age were. So I lived on a street with three other, we had three other families or moms on there that had kids all around the same age. So we would get together and have our little baby and mom play dates. And I started to notice around nine or 10 months, you know, the other kids were looking at their moms and gazing and laughing and the interactions, you know, had started and Sean wasn't really doing any of those things. So there was no eye contact, um, no babbling, which are really two of the, probably the most, the key signs or critical signs that you see, um, the classic signs, I would say, for, um, you know, for autism. Um, so we noticed that uh, he also he was a very, very sweet natured, gentle baby, and he still has that person personality now. Um, But we noticed, you know, he would wake up from a nap in his crib and truly any typical baby will cry for their mom. You know, they want mom to come get them. And he could just sit in that crib for hours if he was awake and nobody got him and he was perfectly content. So, you know, the social interaction piece was missing. The eye contact was not there. The babbling wasn't there. So I would say probably around the nine to 10 month mark is when I started noticing those things. What was sort of your, your road to getting him diagnosed? So yeah, that happened around nine to 10 months. We still weren't quite sure what, what it was, you know, and a lot of times you just think, okay, he's, that's his personality or he's shy or, you know, he's just delayed, you know, all of those things come up. So it was always kind of in the back of my mind and, you know, this is 15 years ago. So, you know, I was on the internet, you know, with the dial up modem at that time and um, checking, you know, no babbling, no eye contact. And what, what does that mean? And autism did pop up and it kind of jolts you um, when you see it for the first time, like, Oh my goodness, could he have autism? So, you know, it was always in the back of our mind. And then um, we actually were, lucky. um, We had my pediatrician, I think it was at the one year appointment, noticed some signs. And so she said, I think he needs to get 
um, you know, he, you know, we need to get more assessments done on him and evaluations. And so we started the process, maybe not a year, I think he was about a year and a half, you know, going to a developmental pediatrician. And then we, you know, scheduled kind of a full on assessment around two. Uh, and then at two, they said, we cannot rule in or rule out autism. Let's start therapies and see how he does in the next six months. I think they probably knew, but at that time, they were not giving a diagnosis as early as two. Uh, so we did start, um, you know, and they recommended all this. I didn't know any of these things, you know, when you're a young mother. We started ABA therapy. We started speech therapy. We started occupational therapy, music therapy. I think there was play therapy. You know, we did it all. Um, and so, you know, we did that for about six months, went back for um, the evaluation. And then they, you know, then they gave him the official diagnosis. So it was, you know, the, all the signs and all the criteria he had met. And it, he was a pretty classic case. So he's not higher functioning. He's, you know, not quite, you know, very low functioning. He's somewhere in the middle, but, you know, he's minimally verbal, very minimally interactive. Um, but yeah, all those signs were there. And so, you know, he got the diagnosis around two and a half years old. And what was, what were your next steps after his diagnosis? Yeah, that's, you know, that's a great question because when, once you get the diagnosis and, you know, I, I was in this and I work with families now that have this and it's, it's literally kind of a deer in the headlights kind of look, you know, you don't, you walk out of there and you, now you have an, a diagnosis and now what do I do? What am I supposed to do about it? Um, and I'm going to promise I'll try not to cry, but I can't, I can't promise anything. No, it brings, it's brings I, me I, back. It being emotional. Yeah. Yeah. It is. It's an, it's a, it's a really hard time when you first get the diagnosis um, for any parent. Uh, it, it changes your world. It really does. And you just, um, you, you have to kind of start over and manage all your expectations. Um, you know, it just changes everything. Um, I do have to tell one story if you don't mind. Um, I was in the car with my husband and, you know, literally we're driving back from the hospital after we'd gotten the diagnosis and, you know, my son's in the back and, you know, we're in the front and I'm crying and, you know, your mind is racing. Okay. Now what do we do? You know, what's going to happen? How is he going to be in 20 years? Is he going to live on his own? All those things. And my husband was just calm and he just literally just, and it's exactly what I needed. He just grabbed my hand and said, whatever it takes. He was just very calm about it and just said, we'll just do whatever it takes. Yeah. And so that's kind of been our motto, um, you know, from the get go. Um, now to answer your question, what did we do? We, you know, I think a lot of places now, um, you know, the diagnosticians will help you out and give you resources and places to call. ABA therapy is one of the key therapies that, does help our kids with autism. Speech therapy is important. Occupational therapy is important. Once you kind of get into this world, then you start to see, okay, these are the ABA providers in my area. These are my, the speech therapists in the area. These are the occupational therapists in the area. Um, and they can all help you, you know, guide you into starting some therapy and putting together some goals 
and programs for your kiddo to, you know, continue to make progress. Um, and now in this day and age with social media, there's, there are a ton of, you know, I would say like on Facebook, there's a lot of Facebook groups for autism moms, special needs community. People are asking questions all the time on resources, you know, even such things as, okay, my kiddo is low functioning, but he loves sports. What do I do? And then people all bring up, you know, like Miracle League of Frisco. And so things that parents don't even know about now they're, they have access to so many resources online and other parents are really willing to help out other parent, new parents all the time or any parents. So, um, you know, I think the first step, the first steps are to start making phone calls to um, therapy providers, um, ABA speech, occupational therapy are kind of your traditional ones you start with. Music therapy has been fantastic for my son. So that's another one that's been great that I, you know, recommend if a family is able to do it. And then I would say online. I mean, there's a lot of great support groups on there and you can ask questions and everybody's willing to help out. So that would be at least the first steps. And once you start getting into the community, you start meeting other parents and groups and then you kind of get involved. So that would be the first, you know, set of steps to take. What did some of Sean's early therapies look like? Um, So we started ABA fairly soon after the diagnosis. And I didn't know what it was at all. Um, it's, It's very well known in the special needs world. But outside of that, a lot of people don't know what applied behavior analysis is or does. So he started Um, it starts with some very, very basic fundamental skills that some kids on the spectrum don't have where you're able to sit at, you know, you're able to sit and you're able to focus. You're able to imitate because a lot of kids were not imitating. You're able to answer very simple questions. So I remember one of his early, early targets was simply do this. And the therapist would say, do this. And she'd clap her hands. And he wouldn't do it. You know, he didn't know how to imitate at that time. And most kids, you know, by two and a half or three know how to do that. Um, And it literally started that basic on teaching him how to imitate the image, you know, the skill of imitation. Um, And then he learned it. And I remember, like, my mind was blown. I was like, wow, he's actually imitating. And then you, you know, from that, it moves on to other bigger and better things where you start with the fundamentals on even, you know, eye gaze and you're taking, you know, finding objects on a table, pointing to items, learning your colors, learning your letters, learning your numbers. It starts with all of those fundamentals. And then the way I like to do ABA, and we do this with Sean too, most of, almost all his ABA has been at home is it's a very naturalistic setting. So even teaching basic life skills they would teach how to, you know, put on your pants, put on a shirt, um, you know, as he would get older, sipping from a straw, you know, the, and we would work with OT or, you know, occupational therapy or speech therapy. So it was kind of a collaborative team. But, you know, some very simple fundamental skills that a lot of kids just learn through modeling or imitating, or you just tell them how, you know, you have to teach these kiddos in very kind of step by step, like, their increments um, and they just learn to model or imitate that behavior step by step. And he really made a ton. He's still, I would consider him, you know, moderate to lower functioning, but 
you know, he can read, he reads song lyrics, he does addition, multiplication, multiple you know, um, division, you know, he knows how to take out the trash, he unloads the dishwasher, he, you know, is completely independent with morning routine, changing his clothes. So all of that, you know, starting from the very fundamentals of learning how to imitate or learning to clap your hands or learning body parts, that too, you know, we're now at 17, where he's continuing to learn, you know, independent skills and chores. And, you know, the goal is to try to make them as independent as possible. They may, you know, he's never going to be fully independent. And we know that, but we want to make him as independent as possible. And that's what we, you know, for every child, that's the goal through, you know, ABA. It sounds like you kind of spoke to this um, with our last question, but it sounds like community is a huge part of sort of supporting families of child that children who are either diagnosed or going through testing and, and might not have quite a clear diagnosis. How would you encourage a newly diagnosed parent to kind of enter into this world? Is it, um, is it a find a group on Facebook? Is it um, find a therapy, you know, in your area? What is sort of the first step of getting involved in that community? Um, that is a great question. There's a few different opportunities for that. I think, I think Facebook has been great for a community for support for, um, you know, newly diagnosed kids and for their moms and for their families. So that community is always there. And there's, you know, some are larger groups, some are smaller, you know, in the DFW area, there's a few really, really great Facebook groups and they're all very supportive of each other and they provide a lot of resources. That's one. Two is, you know, your therapy providers um, are a great resource as well. And they can guide you to, different organizations that could help you out. And then you will meet other parents either through your therapy provider. You'll see them in the waiting rooms. You will see them at events. Sometimes providers have, you know, family events for everybody or they, you know, you, let's say you have a social skills group. And so you get to meet the other moms and that's how you start building your, your own kind of community. When your child starts going to school, let's say, and they're in the special ed classrooms, you will meet the other moms and the other parents through them. And there is a bond there. There is something that you both are experiencing that a lot of other parents aren't. So that bond is always there. So, um, you know, luckily, I think in because of social media, and I think there's a lot of resources out there these days, and in the DFW area, providers can help you out. Social media can help you out. Um, and you will, if, if you get out there and you, you go to events and there's a lot of special needs events and there's a lot of resource fairs out there too, you know, that help, you know, show you all different kinds of providers in the area or summer camps or, you know, whatever else that you might be looking for. Um, you can meet families at a lot of these different places these days. That's wonderful. Um, through your experience with your own son and your experience with your company, what is something you wish families knew at the beginning of the diagnosis process? Um, sorry. <laughs> it's okay. Um, just love your child. It's, it's a very, um, it's a tough process at the beginning because for some families, 
you know, they accept it. It's still hard to accept, even for a family, you know, with all the love in the world, you know, you, your child gets a diagnosis and, um, you know, your world's kind of turned upside down. So I tell this to all the families that I work with too, is they're still your child. You love your child. You just do the best you can do for them. You provide, you know, the resources, you provide the help, the support, whatever progress they're making is fantastic. And one thing they will learn, this is actually a really good point, is no milestone is a small milestone. Have any little thing they do that's new is a big deal. So, you know, you will celebrate small milestones and you should celebrate all the small, small milestones. But, you know, love your child for who they are. So I think, you know, it's, it's a tough journey to get, you know, to get the diagnosis and then get to a point of um, almost an acceptance, you know, that I, you know, yes, my kiddos got autism and however they are, you know, they're not going to be quote unquote typical um, and whatever they can do is lovely and fantastic and you just love them for who they are. And kids um, sense that. So if you love your child for who they are and you continue to work hard with them, they continue to make progress. It's that's fantastic. But, you know, just love them along the way and support them. And, and, you know, whatever happens, you know, you just, you just love them. Yeah, that's absolutely. That's wonderful. Now that your son is older, how do you, you know, obviously you spoke to it before with, you know, the different ABA therapies, but how do you manage his autism now that he's older? How do you, you know, manage his day to day? Yeah, that's a great question because, you know, when they're younger, when they're two, three, four, five years old, 10, you know, even up to 10, you know, you're working on a lot of fundamentals. You're working on basic communication skills. You want them to be able to communicate. Even, you know, we've had clients that are completely nonverbal but they are communicating everything, full sentences, full conversations through the iPad. Um, so they're able to communicate. So when they're younger, you, you want them to have at least the fundamental skills of being able to communicate their basic wants and needs, you know, being able to learn basic skills, being able to do basic, you know, independent living skills, brushing teeth, washing hands, you know, we even do potty training, you know, we, you know, all of that, that you want to do when they're younger. Well, now when they're older, now that he's a teenager, um, those fundamental skills have been taught. Now our goal really is to make him as independent as he possibly can be in a home setting. So we continue to teach chores. Um, he's continuing to learn still. So he's able to read and he can read, you know, short books and we continue to focus on, let's say, reading comprehension. He's still learning, you know, he's doing word problems now for math, you know, basic word problems. So he's understanding what he's reading and how to do the, the math for it. Um, and so now we just focus on, um, you know, he unloads and loads the dishwasher. He helps take out the trash. We're having him help sweep. You know, he's learning how to do, a, you know, the full cycle of laundry. So it's those kinds of things that he's learning at this point to help make him as independent as possible. And then for him specifically also, um, he's got a little bit of a special gift with music. So he sings in perfect pitch. 
he plays the drums really well. And so he can drum and sing at the same time, which I guess is a very unique talent. So he actually plays or performs at, you know, charity events. He's performed, you know, sung the national anthem at sporting events. Um, so our goal at this point is try to nurture his own strengths. Um, and this is another thing I would tell younger parents that, you know, have newly diagnosed is, you know, sometimes your kid may have a specific area that they are drawn to, you know, it might be music, it might be art, it might even be, um, uh, we've got a kiddo who loves storytelling and just loves to act out. I'm like, this kid's going to be on a stage one day, you know? So, you know, whatever they're, you know, they're drawn to, you know, nurture that, continue to nurture it. So what we're doing is we're now, we continue to nurture the music side for him. And we're even thinking, you know, not that he's going to be this big professional musician, but he could possibly play little gigs at little events around here. And he loves it and he's pretty good at it. And it would be a fun little career path for him. So at this point, we're working on making him as independent as possible. And then also starting to look at what kind of, you know, quote unquote, career path he could have in the future. So yeah, things change a lot from two or three when you're working on, you know, imitation skills or colors to what are they going to be doing, you know, for the rest of their lives. So that's kind of our focus at this point. And, and that's sort of my final question is I know, um, you know, autism initially can be thought of as a disability, Mm -hmm. uh, but what is sort of the gift of autism? What is the thing that makes your son and children with autism amazing and special and a, and a gift? Yeah, I know that's a tough one. And, and parents, parents always have a tough time with that because some parents are like, yeah, you know, my, and there it's a gift, but then other parents are like, no, it's not a gift. You know, so it's tough for parents. What I would say, um, and I think almost all parents would say this, you know, we teach them, but you learn, you learn so much more. They teach you way more than you will teach them. So I think what he has done for us is um, he's taught us like truly, truly not to take anything for granted, to really enjoy, you know, what are, what's truly important in life. It really grounds you. So I think what any of these children do for us as a, you know, as a special needs child, is it, sets everything into perspective on what is really important in life. And they become, I think every parent has said this, like they teach us a lot more than we'll ever teach them. It just gives a whole new perspective on life. And it truly tells you not to take anything for granted. Um, And so it just, you just appreciate the little things a lot more when you have a child with special needs. Yeah, absolutely. Well, thank you so much for speaking with us. And I really appreciate your perspective. And um, I look forward to speaking with you again soon. Thank you, Heather. Thank you so much for having me. I really enjoyed it. Yeah, absolutely. Be sure to follow DFW Child on Facebook and Instagram so we can continue the conversation and check out the helpful parenting resources on dfwchild.com. Until next time.